Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sex Queens. I'm Jules. And I'm Maggie. Keeping you on top so you stay hot. Hey, everyone. This is Naked News, where Aggie and Jules bring you the latest and the greatest in the world of sex. Aggie, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How many virtual recordings have we done? Um, so many. You know what? For coronavirus, I'll say that it's a lot. I'm going to say that we're probably at half, half point of in-person versus virtual now. That's probably true. And I feel like these virtual recordings, even then, like sound better audio than like our first two than when we were trying to figure out. <laughs> Which is kind of sad. <laughs> Yes. But anyways, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Welcome to Naked News. So we have a bunch of different segments um, that we're going to bring you today or different articles we're going to bring you today. Um, And so I will go first, if that's cool with you, Aggie. Of course not. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Bitch. Okay. I know. You mean cunt? Yes. In a good way. In a good way. A loving way. You should love yours. So... For my news, um, it's very happy. I think it's everyone could use a little bit of like uplifting vibes these days. It's very depressing 2020 times and very stressful times. I am definitely losing hair day over day. Super cute, I know. Um, but uh, so my piece of news revolves around the election. So I know a lot of people were focused on the presidential election, but actually there were a lot of different elections that took place. Um, you know, on the Senate level and things like that, on the state level. So very happy to announce that Sarah McBride became the first transgender state senator in the United States after she won her race in Delaware. So yay, Sarah McBride. This is a huge, huge step in the right direction toward transgender acceptance and normalizing the LGBTQ individuals within our community. I think this is really great having that representation at uh, such a high level in, in the state Senate. Um, So super happy for her. She beat uh, the Republican. So she was running Democrat and she beat the Republican side uh, candidate, Steve Washington. Um, And so she's also only 30, which I thought was super impressive because that's basically my age. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, So she is 30. She has worked as the press secretary of an LGBTQ advocacy group called the Human Rights Campaign. And she was a trainee in President Obama's White House. Um, She is one of a handful of candidates who has made history in this election. And then, so there's a few other people that have made history also in this election. Um, So for Vermont's Taylor Small, who's 26, was elected to the House of Representatives. I'm like, these people are so young. Like, what am I doing with my life? This is amazing. Um, So yeah, Taylor Small, congrats to you because you were elected to the House. And then Stephanie Byers also made history in Kansas as the first trans person of color to ever be elected to a state legislature. So a lot of very exciting, awesome things. Um, Super happy to see LGBTQ representation in the government and on a political level. I think this is a really great step in the right direction toward acceptance. So yay for happy news. Yay. And also yay for this youth taking over, right? Because I think that these last few years, if anything, in politics, it's reinvigorated some young people to be interested in it. Because I mean, let's be real, politics for a long time has been a bunch of people. Old white men. Yeah, been there for a long time, just sitting there, right? Like, it's like, once they're in, they're in. But I think like, obviously, you know, there needs to be a cycle of stuff. So there does need to be 
some youth or young people, as we call them, in there. Yes, the youths. The youth. <laughs> That's those youths in there. And I mean, I think that that shows that it's good that people are maybe reactivated or reengaged in the idea because for a while, clearly nobody was going out for this, or at least not the youth. And now the youth seem to be, you know, caring again. And I think it's so great too, because it's so easy, especially now, I think with social media and, you know, everyone has news in their face all the time. However you get your news, whether it's phone, TV, like you're constantly bombarded with negative news all the time. And I think the significance of this is that you can really look at something like this happening. And then you look back in the past, like 30 years, even, which is not long at all. And how far we've come. Like, of course we have so far to go, but just thinking now, like, wow, I have someone who's transgender, like someone who is also transgender, maybe in the same state is like, wow, I have this person in office that represents my community and who I'm from when 30 years ago, you know, that was a completely different, um, environment. So I think that's just really great also to take in like, yes, times right now are very hard. And obviously, you know, especially this past year, it's been just a whirlwind of what the fuckery, but, um, you know, you have to celebrate the good moments and you have to look and see how far we've come in certain ways. And I think this was a reminder that it's only going to get better. Right. And it just shows that right with everything, there's always progress. Like there's still growth that's happening. And kind of how you said, I think that local things are sometimes forgotten because everybody's focusing on just the big picture, but it's like seeing what's going on in county to county. I think that there's been a lot of growth in the last few years <clears throat> compared to before, because again, a lot more people are involved and a lot more people are paying attention, which I think is always a good thing when people are paying attention because we can very easily be mindless and not look at anything. Also, oftentimes in your day to day, I feel like your state would get would be more like directly related to you than on a federal level. Yeah. Like people are really paying attention to a lot of their state legislatures, but I feel like more people should because, yeah, it can get more done based on like that will affect your personal day to day. Yes. Absolutely. That was mine. That's good. So congratulations to them. And you know what? The youths (laughs) keep it up. Keep doing the work. Sexy youths. I mean, soon they're going to be the generation before us because, you know, me and you are getting up there. So we're dying. I had to end it on a positive note. So on that positive note, that's perfect for my transition because I'm going to go ahead and give you guys some bad news. Since she's saying you don't need any more negativity, I'm like, well, unfortunately, you go. at least a little bit because it's still out there. <laughs> so some big news that has happened recently that is negative that I thought was very relevant and worth, worth sharing, even though it is on the downer side, um, is what's been going on with abuse um, allegations that have been coming up. Um, So the Boy Scouts of America um, has recently come up with over 90,000 claims of sexual abuse against them. Um, They are now a bankrupt nonprofit in general, because earlier this year is when they were filing for bankruptcy after facing these hundreds of lawsuits from people who said that they were sexually abused in the Scouts. Um, And then those lawsuits came from as far back as the 1940s. Um, they also stated that the organization kept files about possible pedophiles within its members, um, including more than 78,000, no, sorry, 7,800 scout leaders known or suspected to have sexually assaulted boys. Um, 
and then the lawyer representing some of the victims um, reportedly said he never um, contemplated the number would be so high. And claims have been filed now in all 50 states and even abroad. Um, and then their response has been that they are, the Boy Scouts is looking to set up a victim's compensation fund as part of its bankruptcy filing. Um, and that it was devastated by the numbers of lives impacted by past abuse. Um, and then this is pretty shocking and impactful because they are saying that these numbers are higher than even the sexual abuse claims that have been put out by the Catholic Church. Um, and I do feel like that's pretty high. And recently tying that into that and also recent news, the Catholic abuse, the Catholic Church has come up with some more allegations as well. Um, so that's another place where, you know, it keeps coming out and being reported on. But the fact that this is higher, I think, is probably something. Well, it seems like even people, when they started reporting this, was not something that they were expecting. Um, and then this most recent article, I got it from the New York Times. And I don't know. I feel like this definitely, in a lot of ways, it's just negative news in the way that I think it kind of um, overshadows some of the positive things the organization has probably done in the past. Like, I know that I've kind of read things about that, about like before that it was like, you know, going to the Boy Scouts and learning stuff was seen as something that could be a positive, but then something like this definitely really takes a negative spin on it. Um, and it kind of just shows how much the organization might have known and was like keeping things out of public knowledge, which... My heart breaks for those children and their families. Right, because they weren't keeping them safe, right? And then like, think about it back then when parents were sending people off to something like this, it was like a place where you go, like, you know, grow or do an activity, right? It's not, it wasn't seen as somewhere that you're sending your kids off into danger. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it's somewhere where you think your kid will be more safe than not being there. Right. Right. Like sending them to church or something. Mm -hmm. Which again, somewhere where you think that kids are going to be safe, right? Like it's, it would be seen as like a safe after school activity or like a safe social activity, where you can send somebody to develop, right, and get skills, not <clears throat> be put in a place of danger. So they kept records of, like, reports that were filed, and then they didn't do any disciplinary action on the person? I mean, it's kind of what it sounds like. Wow. From this article, right? Like, now I don't know. I don't know, you know, what this, I don't know how accurate this article is or what, you know. I have seen reports of like, I don't know about Boy Scouts, but I have seen reports of the church having instances of that where like there were allegations and um, complaints that arose. And then they would just kind of transfer the priest to a different parish. Yeah, I read about I've heard that. Of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would imagine with an institution as large as the Boy Scouts, you know, I could see that also being the case there. Which is terrible, mm -hmm. you know, just for the families and everyone. Um, but we will put the link if you would like to donate to the Victims Compensation Fund, I believe is the name you said. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to put the link for that in our episode and on our Instagram post as well as Twitter when this episode is published. So if you would like to donate and help the organization, um, please feel free because we would like to bring justice as well we can to these uh, survivors and their families. Yeah. 
And definitely, I think, important that it's being talked about and more of these places are coming forward and that there's actual proceedings um, and that this uncomfortable conversation is being had. Um, right. Because it needs to be had, right? Like this whole conversation about sexual abuse in general, no matter what scope it's coming from um, or what arena, I feel the more that there's light shed on it, the more there can be proactive measures that are taken beforehand or it becomes more of a norm to report it, right? Or it becomes more of a norm to not just take the information and hide it somewhere because it's uncomfortable. Um, So hopefully that's what it leads to, or at least that's my hope that the more people that are bringing this out, the more that it would be a stop thing. Um, Yeah. I think for years it was hidden because you even said like back in the 1940s it was happening or there was reports of it. That is so, back in the 1940s, right? And like some of the highest numbers that, um, the because like the de- it's been a decline of people being in the Boy Scouts, like, you know, lately anyway. But back in like the 1970s was when they had their like highest numbers of pe- having people in there, which was like up to like 5 million. Just oh like the amount of people that's in there. So it's like the claims are high and there was also was very popular for some amount of time. Um, and then in terms of the Catholic group ones, um, there is a watchdog group that tracks abuse in the Catholic Church. Um, it's called bishopaccountability.org. Um, hmm. And they come up with saying, yeah, they say that more than 9,000 victims have come forward over the years. Um, and then the people who do the watchdog things, they think that's only a small number or a small fraction of people who actually, you know, have gone through abuse. But I do think um, that knowing about these types of websites and that they exist is important because that's something that I wouldn't know about. Um, but yeah, it's that's a, big, a great uh, mm-hmm. source of like support for someone. Yeah, that there's groups that are doing this and monitoring and tracking. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this has been happening for a while with some of these major organizations. And I'm glad to see that we've moved into at least the exposure part. But like you said, ideally, we want to prevent yeah. And like, you know, put in the, the, like, and I think a lot of that really does stem from, and I know we're kind of a broken record on this, but I think a lot of it does stem from educating the youths about <laughs> sex issues and about your body and about consent. Like that's so important to get into kids' heads from an early, 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 early age to not be ashamed of it, you know, and, and, and stop stigmatizing just even talking about it because I'm not saying like this would have been avoided, but I think that that's a way we can move in the future to, you know, have these conversations more open and like have people report them when they happen and hopefully not have these like huge explosions of like, oh, my God, this has been happening for 50 years and we're just now talking about it. Right. Um, And I think that it will change. Like, I, I feel hopeful for that because just even in my lifetime, like I've seen a movement toward exposing and you know having this be out there like people are listening and there's communities being formed to fight back on it so that's good um i just hope that you know we can move into like a more proactive way in the future well that's the hope right is later on that it would be proactive and that stuff like again there'd be like the warning signs or that there's stuff that's done beforehand or again how you said just normalizing the conversation that one adults are willing to listen and not brush it aside Two, that children are able to recognize what's happening with their bodies and, you know, know what's norm and unnorm because it's been talked about beforehand. Um, But I do think that in most of these circumstances, that is the common thread, at least, that there is those, like, baby steps in the right direction, right? That it's, like, being talked about, written about. I think that in 
most cases, like kind of how we said, it's like there's like little little bits of progress that are occurring everywhere. They're just slow moving. Um, and on that same note, there was one other tidbit about Catholic Church that I'd wanted to mention. It was also pretty recently in the news um, that this pope was the pope that we have that they have now, Francis. He was um, he recently acknowledged um, gay marriage. Um, and basically acknowledged it as something that it's like, well, he believes that the people basically have a right to like a union or to be together, but would not, you know, take that extra step of actually um, like condoning it or accepting it in the church, but legitimizing it. Yeah. But like, no, but making it like being a really monumental step that it's the first Pope that actually acknowledged it as like something Um, like an actual union right yes like taking it more yep taking it more to the steps of like normalization without like the full action of something that's like it's not going to be what is it called like condoned or approved on by the church right but it's like the first person that's taking like the baby steps into being like hey this is the union right and they're people and they like almost have the right to it but then it's like oh but it's not going to be condoned in god's house so we won a small battle there's still a war to go, but that's a good step. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. But it's like ties into this too, of this idea of like small steps that it's like things are changing. They're just changing and shifting very slowly. Yeah. 2020 feels like, I was just talking about this with someone today. 2020 feels like it's been a fucking decade. Like, <laughs> I cannot believe it's only been 365, like not even yet, because we're not even over. But like, I can't believe this has been one year. <laughs> I know some weeks feel like they're like months, but then some of the times I feel like it also felt like time just like didn't exist. Like some of the days, oh, like summer, like, like what happened? Like where where did it go? It was just like yeah, that's why it was just seemed like the days were just. I wore shorts like one day, and then now it's November. But... <laughs> I wore shorts one day. One day, exactly. <laughs> you didn't shave, and, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm never shaving for seven. Never hours. shaving. Um, Great. No, never again. What's the point? Um. Well, that was that was uh, that was pretty heavy, but good things to keep informed on. But insightful, so um, now you can bring us back up. Yes, I can bring you back up. Yes, I know we're like we're oh my god, we're like the actual news where it's like people are dying. Here's some puppies. <laughs> puppies, look at them. Aren't they cute? That's literally how the news is. I feel like. Um, yes. So mine is um, on the up and up again, talking about small steps uh, in the right direction. So. As you know, we always talk about the importance of sex ed, especially in schools, especially the younger, the better. And uh, interestingly enough, Texas. So the um, school board of Texas has recently, I think it's called the SBOE, the State Board of Education, uh, this week will vote on changes to health education standards statewide, including revisions to sex education which is huge for a state like Texas because 80% of their um, sex ed classes, if, if they teach any sex ed, teach abstinence. So this is a huge step in the right direction because uh, they're saying that if this does get, if this board passes, so they're going to meet, I think, next week. So we will provide an update when we hear more. But essentially... Um, Yeah, this came out the 17th. So this is going to be like next week, I think. Um, But yeah, essentially, so if it it passes, they're lobbying for 
members to include information about sexual orientation and gender identity in the state curriculum. So this would mean like public schools have to teach this, um, something the majority of the state board did not seem willing to do. But the fact that it's out there in a state like Texas is huge. I think that's a really great step in the right direction. Like, hey, we're bringing this to a political level now. It's not just like conversationally. We're like understanding that this is a problem. And I think it kind of ties into um, some of the stuff you were saying, because they're also saying like how they're going to start teaching consent and like at what age they're going to teach what. So it said there was a recommendation that fifth graders learn about fertilization and their bodies and like the biology of their bodies. And then sixth graders are taught about intercourse and seventh graders learn about the effectiveness of contraception. Um, And now currently how it is, all of those things are not taught until high school, Mm -hmm. which in my opinion is like too late. So um, I think that's great. I think it's a really great step in the right direction because they're trying to not just like prevent pregnancy, you know, unwanted pregnancies and things like that. Um, It's, awesome that they're normalizing sex ed and they're, you know, telling kids, Hey, this, these are okay. These are normal things. Like instead of ignoring it, because I mean, speaking from somebody who went to Catholic school, you know, abstinence is like the way to go in Catholic school, sex ed, at least when I was going, it's probably a little bit different now, but I'm super happy to see this. I think it's great. And I'm just honestly surprised that it's coming from a state like Texas. So um, yeah, I think this is, this is awesome news. Even if it doesn't pass, I think the fact that it's out there knows that it's not going away. You know, like if this doesn't pass, I'm assuming it's going to be brought up in the next round of like school board votes or whatever, you know, school board policy votes. Um, So I think this is super awesome, honestly. That's huge. And if it's happening in one state, chances are it'll become more of a conversation in other states, right? And then exactly what we're talking about could or would happen, right? The normalizing of it, the talking about it. Um, Definitely, I think that it's totally right on board about the younger, because I mean, children and young adults have access to things a lot sooner now. So it might as well be the correct information versus information that they're just gathering, right? And we all know, yeah, yeah, based on the statistics and all the stuff that we read, that it's like people develop earlier and people do have sexual um, encounters at a younger age than people are like, you know, wanting to acknowledge. So getting that information out there young would definitely be how we talked about being proactive and getting the preventative measures out there. I do think it's very interesting that it's coming from Texas. That's a right? very <laughs> not kind of a curveball, but okay, Texas, we see you That's good. being sexually positive. We see you. Mm-hmm. Look at you over there. Look at down Texas. there. Look at Texas. That's look at down there. It's very, we see you very progressive and very progressive. I thought that was great news. I'm happy to see that you know, positive change start to occur. And then also, I think it's awesome that it's coming from a major state. Like, you know, Texas is not only huge in size, but huge in uh, power and position. Yeah. So like you said, you know, especially I've noticed in the Southern states, the sex education is lacking severely in the public school system. It's lacking severely nationwide, but more so in the Southern states, um, that's where you see like 80% abstinence being taught in the public school system more often which is kind of the trend that our country has had. So yeah, if we could get a big state like Texas to make that change or at least bring it to the table, maybe then other states will start to see like, hey, if they're doing it, we can do it. And maybe it'll get passed there, even if it doesn't get passed in Texas. So a lot of really positive things I think can come out of this. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how the vote uh, turns out. 
Absolutely. And it's all about knowledge is power, as we talk about, right? So the more knowledge that's being spread out there and talked about, the better it's going to be. For sure. So I'm also going to bring in some positive news and lighter than the last thing that I had to talk about. (laughs) Um, This thing that I have to talk about is more about also just things moving along and having more of a conversation and it being more out there. Um, it's about recently, um, Sam Smith, who's a singer opened up about being non-binary. Um, he came out with that with his, as his decision that it is something that's worth sharing. And he was writing in his post that he took a while and struggled with it and contemplated it. Um, so non-binary is basically, you know, coming out as not identifying with either gender, either male or female, kind of being fluid and being somewhere in between. Um, And he stated that um, he's also open to dating any gender as well. Um, So he kind of just opened up about his whole um, relationship and then just his whole intimate, you know, how, what he goes with on from day to day. So now he identifies as them and they, And he opened up about dealing with a good amount of backlash and unsupportive responses when he first came out with this. Um, He did. Really? Yes. Which I thought was pretty interesting. That's what caught my attention is that he did face backlash and unsupportiveness because, you know, I think that that kind of just shows how the conversation is still growing and how it's still something that's not as normalized, you know, as we would think. Um, and then he himself admitted that um, it was more of a struggle than he had, or sorry, than they had expected. Um, so he says that it's something, you know, that he's, that, um, there, see, I'm doing it. It's hard to, that's the other part, right? I think it's hard to talk about someone and say they, because it feels like it's plural. I do have to say that that part trips me up myself. Reading something as they, or them, it makes me think of who, like who, who else is in there. Yes. And I think that that part is definitely hard for the brain to get out of that habit. Um, Good for Sam Smith to use his platform as a huge celebrity. I think that's great too. Right. And to say, you know, to open up about this, about being like that, it's something that in his, in the lifetime of being at war with gender um, and then deciding to embrace, um, myself for who I am inside and out. And then they wrote um, that they are excited and privileged to be surrounded by people that support them and their decision. Um, But the nervousness about announcing it was still there. And then, I mean, I think that it shows that there's still a reality in why it's hard. And, um, you know, having this idea that the public has very kind of split opinions on it because there is a lot of support obviously like there is for a lot of things but then there was also some backlash and confusion um for that and um the you know and then a big point was that it's hard to see the backlash and the amount of people that are still so unsupportive of a gender non-conforming people and trans people around the world yeah and also sam smith i feel like he has a lot of young um, listeners, mm-hmm. you know, like young fans. So interesting to see, like, unfortunately, that there's still a lot of backlash there. But um, also at the same time, I think it's good that instead of just all backlash, you know, he does have a large support system. He's supporting a lot of people and 
he took that brave step. I mean, I'm sure he did it knowing there was going to be negative backlash from some people. So I think it's really great that he took that brave step and like really risked, you know, risked it essentially to come out as non-binary. I think that's great. Um, And I also think it's cool that it shows like he came out, some people sure had a problem, but a lot of people loved him more for it. And I think that's great for like somebody who isn't a celebrity and might be worried about that. But then they see that happen and they're like, oh, I'm going to be okay if I come out. True. Um, for someone to see. But I do still think that that just shows another thing of that conversation, right? And how it's going to take a while for this type of concept to become a norm society. I mean, even we're doing it because it's hard not to. It's hard not to say she or he because we're both doing it right now. And it's really hard to think of some, like, an expression, right, of just being um, fluid or just being a person. But I think that we still have a hardship with terms, number one, and number two, how to express it, because it's in our norms to really be binary. And really, that's true. You're right. I was doing that. So you're doing it. I'm doing it. I think it's just one of those norms. It's just hard to break that because we're so used to it. We grew up with it. So and then again, the idea of saying like they or them or just this person is very, it doesn't feel, um, it's not automatic. So it's hard. It's hard to do it. Um, But I also think that and and yeah, that's something that I have to get better at that we both have to get better at. A lot of people do. But I also think that the more people do it, like the more people come out as non-binary and say, hey, I prefer they or them. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully then it'll become more normalized. And I also think going back to what we were talking about with the sex ed stuff, like in Texas, for example, they said they wanted to start teaching gender and sexuality at, uh, I think it said like fifth grade. That's kind of the direction that we need to go in Mm -hmm. is we need to start introducing these things at a very young age so that it won't be like you and I, where we're like, Oh, this is something incredibly new. That's hard to like, we're, we're obviously trying to be respectful and accepting, but like, it's hard for us to do automatically because like you said, it's new for us, like just in general. But if I was taught, Hey, like this term is just as common as this term is just as common as this term. It wouldn't matter to me then as much, you know, and it wouldn't right now. It's not learning experience yeah so I think that's another thing is like another point that can be made for that supports normalization of sex ed everywhere at a very young age right and I mean they're still going to be identifiers because I mean the female and male term are still going to exist I just think it's an idea of like well how does a person want to express themselves and potentially like referring to somebody more by their name and like you know by things like that and then the pronouns to be more interchangeable because sam himself says that since since doing this like a positive that um they see as being able to express themselves more freely like feeling permission to show different sides of um themselves musically and that includes being feminine or male like either way like prior um reporting that felt fear to show femininity and then they explained that that was really scary, but now, quote unquote, she's out. So it's like that other side, which is female or male, right? Because we still have that tendency to go to one side or the other. But it's like, so just, those descriptions are still there. 
it's just that like blending of it that it's like it can all be there like we all have feminine and male attributes to ourselves it's just oh gender is very fluid yeah, yeah. whether we're able to like um identify with how we express it it's like Absolutely. kind of changing that mindset of it it's like the expression of it versus being like so stuck on like he she like you know yeah and i also think it's important to like respect the individual like mm-hmm. Someone has a complete and total right to identify however they choose, especially with gender identity and sexuality, especially. So, and I think there is a large group of people that, that are accepting of it. And I, and I hope that those people continue to fight. And it sounds like they are like, there's a bigger community growing of people that are coming out as non-binary celebrities that are coming out as non-binary Um, there's a big trend now, which I think is great of people that, uh, do identify as either she or him, but put it in there. I don't know if you've seen this, but like for a Twitter or like some type of profile or like on your email signature, Mm -hmm. if, so say this person's name is like Bob and they identify as a man and, uh, they'll put in their signature, like he, him. Yes. And that's because they want to normalize putting your identity in your signature or having whatever identity you have, even if it's kind of like a, like most people would think that thought that Bob was a him, there was no like question, but that's not the point. The point is to normalize it for people that might go by a term that's not as normalized or an identity that's not as normalized and kind of make everyone feel comfortable that like your identity, it belongs to you and you own it and it can change and be fluid and that's fine. Yeah. So I think that's a really cool thing to like normalize it among your friends um, like if you know people that are struggling with identity or have cha- recently changed their identity or anything like that, that's a really good way for you to support them in a small way, but, um, you know, a meaningful way. Yes. And I was going to say, I have seen that and ca- coming from the mental health field, that's actually a pretty common or starting to become a more common signature, even in professional emails. Um, I'm part of a larger organization and I've, you know, work with a lot of other organizations and I've seen that in a good amount of signatures of professional emails where people will add in at the bottom of their signature preferred pronouns and they'll put in their bottom pronouns of what they prefer. Um, so I think that that's becoming more commonplace, not just among like friends and peers, but really in workplaces too, to make it kind of how you said, to make it a little bit more normalized, um, especially in a field like this, that's more humanistic. I think that that's starting to become more of a norm and accepted. Good job, Sam Smith. Yes, Sam Smith, way to go. And Sam Smith um, attributed uh, Lady Gaga to helping him make that decision to go ahead and go through with it. Oh, I Lady Gaga. I have so much love for Lady Gaga. Like, I would be so embarrassing and fangirly if I met her. Oh, good thing. (laughs) We'll make sure that that never happens. Great. No, that's (laughs) going to happen. First of all, (laughs) shut your face. (laughs) First of all. Yeah, Lady Gaga is, like, amazing. She has done so much amazing advocacy for the LGBT community. And that just shows that what it's all, what just takes one person. You know, it, it, it does take a group of people sometimes, but one person can do so much. So even if you think changing your email signature doesn't do much, it really does in the grand scheme of things. Because somebody else is going to see that and then change their email signature and so on and so forth. So, like, how you present yourself and things you decide to support you may not think have an impact that you see day to day but you look at the changes that have been made the past 20 30 40 years 
most of those changes in the LGBT community that maybe are now political started from a social movement. So it really is like, you really do hold the power and like, you know, I mean, this is kind of like cliche power to the people kind of thing, but um, there is always a way you can make an impact and don't think that your impact doesn't matter because it truly does, especially if it comes from a place of love. I'm just thinking of your backtrack now going with being like that old school. I got the power song. (laughs) That's all I'm thinking in my head, but I do think that you have a good point about that, right? The small prog, I mean, the progress comes from the small steps, which I think is our, our theme of our naked news this week. Small steps is what grows it. And that's why we're in this, right? It's the sex positivity. It takes small steps to build on it, talk on it, expand on it. And then all of that becomes the norm. For sure. So, you know, one step at a time. Our little small impacts hopefully are making a big difference in the grand scheme of things. Yes. And especially always come from a place of love. Mm-hmm. And you can't go wrong. Right. So I really can't. Positive note. Uh, thanks for tuning in for our naked news segment if you have any comments questions or if you want to fact check us on anything please feel free to Uh, you can reach us out to us on twitter our normal listeners know but for those of you who are tuning in for the first time you can reach us at our twitter handle sex queens pod that's s-e-x-q-u-e-e-n-s-p-o-d just slide right onto those dms or you can reach us on instagram uh, same handle sex queens pod and then also, of course, we are on good old email. If you're feeling old-fashioned, sexqueenspod at gmail.com. And as always, to close out the show, we don't know why you came, but we're glad you did. See you next time. Bye. Bye.